It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, we wrap up the show as per usual in the company of the very knowledgeable Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Simon, Alex, how are you guys? Very good. good uh, before we get on to the Asian World Cup qualifiers, uh, I wanted to ask you about this quite remarkable finish uh, to the J-League match between the two title rivals, the Urawa Red Diamonds and Vissel Kobe. Take us through it. The J-League never disappoints. Um, it, it has a way of throwing up just staggering endings to seasons, and this looks like it's going to be another one of those cases. Yeah, Kobe had a two-point lead coming into uh, this round, uh, they took the lead against Urawa. It always sort of loomed as a bit of a banana skin game for them. Marinos were winning comfortably, so um, they needed the win to maintain their two-point advantage. Urawa equalised in the 91st minute, and it looked like uh, Kobe were going to slip back level on points. But Urawa had the faintest of faint title uh, aspirations. Still, it was mathematically still possible, but... That have needed Corbet and Marinos to lose every game and make up about a 15 goal goal difference, but still they thought they had a chance. So uh, last kick of the game, they got a free kick basically through the uh, the goalkeeper forward in hopes of trying to snatch the win themselves. Uh, Nishikawa couldn't impact the play. Kobe quickly break down the other end and uh, and score into an empty net to win a remarkable game. 2-1 that takes them two points clear again at the top of the table ahead of Marinos with two games to play. Um, it could be the moment that decides the title. There's a lot of conjecture as to why Arawa threw the goalkeeper forward at that point of the game. Was Conspiracy it in fact theories? Offside? Conspiracy theories? <laughs> <laughs> was it in fact offside? There's replays that perhaps suggest that he wasn't in his own half was offside when the uh, the ball was actually released from the keeper as well. So there's a lot of debate and conjecture around about this. But uh, yeah, as it stands, Kobe two points clear with two games to, to play. Um, it's going to come down to the wire, as it always does in Japan. Poor Muskie there will be sweating through the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> mate, quite the relegation battle developing in Korea uh, with the Blue Wings winning the Suwon Derby in a very entertaining match that uh, keeps them alive in the fight. Yeah, I have to admit, I've been a bit asleep on on this one. I've been sort of more focusing at the the pointy end of the table at the the K League. But you look at the uh, the relegation battle, as you point out, and and Sue in Blue, Sue on Blue Wings are, are dead last, only um, uh, and which is a remarkable situation for them to find themselves in because I'm sure most people here know that Sue on are, are one of the giants of or were one of the giants, I have to say of. Korean football, you know, they've, they've won the K-League four times. They twice won the, the ACL or the Asian Club Championship, as it was known at the end of the uh, the 1990s. Um, and they were a juggernaut and a powerhouse. It was it was sort of them, FC Seoul and, and John Book and a little bit of Ulsan that were the, the big teams. And in reality, this has probably been coming for a few years now. Uh, Su Wong, uh, Samsung have actually um, pulled a lot of their investment over the probably the last five to ten years um the squad's been depleted they've they've had issues with with coaching appointments as well and the slide has just been one that they've just never been able to arrest and yeah they're, they're one point clear at the the bottom of the table and facing an embarrassing relegation for them what's really interesting is their next match is the biggest match that there is in korea the super match they call it against fc seoul 
who themselves have come close to relegation in the last couple of years as well. Um, a loss in that game, depending on the other results, could actually see them relegated um, when the league resumes after the international break. And I'm sure FC Seoul wouldn't mind inflicting a bit of damage on their uh, their arch rivals. So it's probably the most consequential super match that there has been in a long time, given their uh, relative struggles. So we could see Suwon Blue Wings relegated, which would be an enormous story. Yeah. Sure would. Um, you'd never know it here, of course, but there's actually a World Cup taking place on our doorstep at the moment. Uh, the FIFA Under-17 World Cup is being held in Indonesia. Uh, and some Asian success as well. The hosts are doing well, uh, drawn their first two matches. Uh, and Iran posting an extraordinary win over Brazil. Yeah, the defending champions, Brazil too. That was a, a stunning result. Came from 2-0 down in the second half to beat Brazil 3-2. This tournament was actually meant to be in, in Peru and in Indonesia or meant to host the Under-20 World Cup. Of course, we know everything that happened there. Brazil, so Peru were, um, were stripped of hosting this and Indonesia were awarded it. It's all very FIFA. But um, the results, as you said, have been have been good for, for Asia so far. As you mentioned, Indonesia, uh, Uzbekistan had a good 3-0 win. Uh, today, I think it was against Canada. Japan beat Poland 1-0 as well. So the results so far have been promising for uh, for the Asian teams. And of course, at under-17 tournament, these tournaments are, are more about development more than it is results. But you also get development from winning and developing that sort of winning culture. So it is good to see the results there. And hopefully that can translate into more success in senior teams over the next five to 10 years. Looking at the Asian World Cup qualifiers coming up uh, this week, our Socceroos obviously taking on Bangladesh on Thursday. Uh, picking out some of the other big qualifiers to, to keep an eye on this week, uh, one that stands out would would be Thailand versus China. And the Thai teams are doing okay in the ACL. Would it be a surprise to you if they beat China? Uh, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't think. No, given the state of the respective, you know, uh, the, the football in the respective countries. I don't think it. I don't think it would come as a surprise now. I mean, you, you look at this group, and it's it's one of the groups that is really wide open. I mean, Korea is on paper by far the strongest team, and they should make it through. But when you look at the the second place team in that group, I mean, Thailand and and China would be it's a fifty fifty split at at this point in time. So uh, it, it's going to be really important. I think we're going to learn a lot about those two teams in that first game in in Bangkok this week. Um, Huge game for, for Thailand. If they get the win in that one, they play Singapore next and they'd really fancy their fancy their chances in in that game against Singapore. They could start this with, with two wins on the bounce. Conversely, China, if they lose that opening game, have then got to play Korea. I mean, you'd fancy Korea would be too strong. So if, if Thailand start with two wins and China start with two losses, um, we could be staring down the battle of uh, barrel of, of China actually going out in, in this sort of first round of qualifying which on, on on one page would would be a shock but on the other they only just scraped through last time so we shouldn't mm. be surprised at all given the state of, of Chinese football if they don't make it through and I see Tiresen is going around again for another uh, batch of World Cup qualifiers in his uh, <laughs> mid to late 30s now uh, just a quick look at Australia's group the other teams uh, they're in Lebanon plays Palestine on Friday uh, the seed is under a new coach uh, Croatian Nikola Jurcevic uh, Palestine of course uh, didn't play in the October window due to what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. What can we expect from those two nations, do you think? It's going to be interesting. I think that for me, the thing to look out for that I'm excited about from from a Lebanon point of view is there's actually an Australian playing in this game for Lebanon. Um, Yaya Al-Hindi is, is born and bred in the 
western suburbs of Sydney, part of that huge Lebanese community in that part of Sydney, played at Sydney Olympic. Um, all of his development was done in Australia, but his professional career has been spent mostly outside uh, of Australia, mostly in, in Lebanon as well. And he was in the national team a couple of years ago um, and, and fell out of favour with a, a couple of coaches. But he's back in favour now and and back in the, the national team under the, the new coach, as you said. And I've been in contact with him. He's pretty confident that he might get a start uh, in this game or at least see some significant game time off the bench. Um, and he's a great young man and it's a, it's a great story to see because there's quite a few actually Australians playing for, for different nations attempting to qualify we've got a couple with uh with malaysia as well so um i'm really excited for yaya to see him him back into uh into this lebanese side um and a bit of a shameless plug i've had a bit to do with him over the last couple of years because we're actually making a short documentary on him for uh, the asian game on on his journey um and his connection um to the, uh, the lebanese community back here in australia so keep an eye out for that early next year it's a fantastic story of uh, of perseverance from a, a young australian very nice Paul, mate, we know that um, in the 2026 World Cup, there's uh, obviously now going to be about 280 teams. So <laughs> there are that does mean extra places for the AFC, and it goes up from four and a half to eight and a half. So outside of the usual suspects, who are you uh, expecting to go to a World Cup for the first time? Yeah, there's a few nations that are really in the mix. I, I've been, I've said it on this uh, this show a number of times. I'm big on Uzbekistan. I think they'll be one that uh, that will finally break their duck and, and get through to a World Cup. They've been close so many times before. I like the direction that Thailand are going under Mano Polking. There's some off-field issues there perhaps, but if they can keep that in check, then I like Thailand. I think Iraq are going in the, the right direction as well. Uh, and I'll be fascinated to see what Paulo Bento can do with the, with the Emirates. He did a, a pretty good job with Korea. He took them through to the knockout rounds of of the World Cup in in Qatar. So can he get the best out of this Emirates side, which has underachieved for a long time? It's still got a lot of talent in there. We saw they, you know, troubled Australia at times in in that playoff that we had. Um, Harab Abdullah on the left-hand side terrorised us. Yaya um, Al-Gamadi is another young player that I, uh, I really like as well. So um, I'll be fascinated to see if he can get the best out of them because if he can, then they'll be right in the mix for, uh, for what would be their second World Cup appearance as well. Uh, just one uh, quick final one, Paolo. Uh, the Oli Roos, of course, in action later this week as well against Saudi Arabia and Qatar in friendlies. Uh, preparation for the Asian Under-23 Cup in Qatar. Where else? Next April. Uh, I see the Saudis have played 17 times already in 2023. They're under-23 side. Goodness me, they're like a club side, aren't they? Yeah, they uh, and this is what we talk about when we talk about investment in Asia. This is often where it, the, the, the benefit of it is, is that they tend to have larger um, youth development um programs for for their national teams their, their youth teams play a lot more matches and a lot more football and that's where the the, the benefit of that investment come uh, comes from i think you know to be fair to, to football australia i think that's definitely improved over the last couple of years mm. we are seeing a lot more opportunities now for our youth teams which i think is incredibly important i think they probably realized as well that you know if we are to be able to compete now, then we're going to simply have to provide more opportunities. Um, and this is an example of that as well. So um, it'd be fascinating to see how they they get on um, against uh, a couple of teams that they'll be competing with for that uh, Asian under 23 uh, next year and hopefully get through to the Olympics. Good on you, Paolo. Great stuff as ever. We'll speak to you next week, mate. See you, Paul. Cheers, Cheers guys.